She's sad that we're still done singing. Uh, the verse that um, Sarah was looking for is Isaiah 40, verse 11. I love this verse, and she's so right. God understands where we are in our season of life. And I'm not trying to be like you. You're not trying to be like me. We're all trying to be like Christ, and we'll, God gives us grace for that. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. That's Psalm 40, verse 11. Now, I think, Billy, the verse you're referring to is in 1 Peter. That's the verse that always comes to my mind. It says, which things the angels desire to look into. Let me read you the uh, text of that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, and to whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported you, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So that was 1 Peter 1, verse 12 that we ended up at. I'd like you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I'm glad to see some of the young people sitting right up here near the front, because I have some questions for you guys today, and if you pay attention, we're calling you Joshua over there, you're paying attention? Okay, good. You lost your sister. Oh, good. That's good. She's serving. All right, good. Elsie, you lost your brother. He's in the nursery. Oh, there he is back there. I was going to say he's in the nursery too, right? Second Samuel, chapter 6. Um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 18 to you. You follow along as I read Second Samuel, chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baale of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gebeah, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord, and all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries, and on timbrels, and on cornets, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God, and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his heir, and there he died by the ark of God, and David was displeased, because the Lord had, make a, had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him, 
because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so when they that there the ark of the Lord had gone at six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it, and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. We're going to pray, and then we're going to consider this about moving the ark. Thank you, Father, for the testimonies of your goodness. And I am grateful that, like a shepherd, you lead us. And when we need to be carried, you gather us up in your arms. And when the way is tough, you lead us gently. And you always, always provide so that we can say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the way that you place us in families not merely biological families, but as we, as we were reminded today, also when you take us away from our mother and our father, then you provide uh, for us friends that become as dear as our families. And we're thankful for that provision as well. We're thankful for your word, that we can feed on it, that we can meditate on it, that it can um, uh, sit in our minds and sink down into our ears and we can consider its meaning and find in it comfort and conviction and challenge. And so we come to you again this, this afternoon to ask for your help, Father, to understand the passage and its application to our lives. Lord, we love you. You're, you are so good to us. You're a good God who does all things well. And it is right that we should praise you for your goodness and for your wonderful works to the children of men. So fill our hearts with praise and gratitude to you. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is an interesting story, and there's several things about it that have always um, caught my attention. Of course, uh, Uzzah dying has always caught my attention, because Uzzah is just trying to do what David has assigned him to do. And you think if anyone should die in this story, David should be the one, <coughs> because it was his idea to take the the uh, ark in a, in a cart. The other thing that often has caught my eye is the second time that they move the ark, you notice that they go six paces, and then they stop and they offer a sacrifice after six paces. So we're going to consider a couple of these things here today. I think the ark of God, even in American society, is one of those misunderstood objects of the Old Testament. Don't watch too many movies, because movies try to make the Ark of the Covenant into some weapon of war that knocks down hills and kills people, and that's not what it is. But there were other people in the Old Testament, before David's time, there were other people in the Old Testament who thought they could use the Ark as some sort of weapon or some sort of motivational tool to uh, encourage the people. Who remembers, maybe let's start with the children, who were the name of those two fellows that thought they would bring the Ark of God into the camp? So they could defeat the Philistines. Yes. Hophni and Phineas. Hophni and Phineas. And they should have known better. Hophni and Phineas were the sons of the high priest of Israel. 
So they should have known better. They thought, no, we're going to bring this Ark of the Covenant into the camp, and that's going to give us some motivation, or maybe it's going to, I don't know what they thought it was going to do. We're going to be able to defeat the Philistines. What happened instead? Instead of defeating the Philistines, what happened? Uh, Elena. Uh, did, uh, did the Philistines wind up taking the Ark? Yes. Yes, the Philistines ended up killing thousands of Israelites, including Hophni and Phinehas, and they captured the Ark of the Covenant. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Because now the Ark of the Covenant is no longer in the control of the Israelites, and you'd think that it would be in danger, but the Ark was never in danger. God was protecting it the whole time. Instead, who remembers the first time that the, the Philistines placed that Ark of the Covenant in one of their temples where there was an idol? What happened to the idol? Who remembers? Isaac. Yeah, the idol fell over and broke. And then they set it back up and it fell over again and broke some more. They said, we don't want it in our town. So they moved it to another Philistine town. And every Philistine town they took it to, people got sick and people died. So finally, the Philistines say, you know, we got to get rid of this thing. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is all just uh, happenstance. It's just circumstance and it has nothing to do with the ark. So let's test out our theory Let's return it, or attempt to return it to the Philistines using a very peculiar method. Who remembers the peculiar method the Philistines devised to return the Ark of the Covenant to the Israelites? It involved a couple of cows. Yes, Caleb? Well, they just put the Ark on the wagon, and yep. said if the cows go that way, then it's, it's just coincidence, but if, it goes to the, if the cows just go to the Israelites, then... And there was no driver or anything. That's right. There was no driver, but there was something else about these two cows. What kind of cows were they? They were milk cows, and they kept their calves back. And they thought, surely, if, if it's just circumstance, just happenstance, these cows that are mother cows are going to return to their calves. But Caleb's right. There's no driver. Those, cow, those two cows, with their calves left behind, went straight up the road, up, because they went up into the hill country to, to the town where we later find the ark. And so the Philistines realized, well, this is God who's been taking care of this ark of the covenant the whole time. By the way, the Philistines are very superstitious, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And have you noticed the increasing, how Americans are increasingly superstitious? Uh -huh. Whenever we leave the truths of Scripture, we're going to turn to something, some superstition, some, you know, rabbit's foot, String around my finger, uh, wearing the same clothes every time, you know, whatever. They're going to come up with something uh, as a substitute for truth. But uh, here's the first lesson we can learn from this, whether it's Hophni and Phinehas, whether it's the Philistines or even David. God is always the one who's in charge. We are not. We can't make God do what we want him to do. There is no... Um, you know, pray this way, and God has to give you what you want. There is no do these certain actions, and then God must answer your, your, your prayer. God is not our servant. We are God's servant. Well, David must have thought the ark was important, too, because he decided to bring it from its place there in Gibeah to uh, Jerusalem. David wants the ark with himself, and we know that because in verse 9, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9, it says, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Come to me. 
See, I think, as I read the passage, I think one of David's problems with the Ark of the Covenant was just like Hophni and Phinehas saw it as a symbol of something, and the Philistines saw it as a symbol of something. David, too, saw it as a symbol that he was the rightful king of Israel. So if he's supposed to be king, the Ark should be with him in Jerusalem. But the Ark doesn't belong to man. The Ark is a, it is a symbol. It's a representation of God's presence. Now, what did David do wrong? One of the kids, tell me, what did David do wrong here when he tried to take the ark to Jerusalem the first time? These two ladies have answered, Hattie, what did he do wrong? Um, well, the, the ark was supposed to be carried by four priests yes. on poles. That's right. But they put it in a cart. Yeah, they put it in a cart. They put it on a wagon. Hattie, where do you think they got this idea to put that ark of the covenant on a wagon or on a cart instead of having it carried? by priests, as you mentioned earlier. What do you think they came up with that idea? She's thinking. <laughs> yes, Calvin, what do you think they came up with that idea? Yeah. David said, well, the Philistines did it this way. We, you know, we'll just put it on a new cart. We'll even make it a special cart. We'll make it a special wagon. We'll make it a new wagon. But instead of going back to Scripture, what does David do? He relies on unsaved heathen people to give him his plan for how he's going to get the ark from Gibeah to Jerusalem. I think it's a good reminder to us that when it comes to doing God's will, we don't look to the unsaved heathen people for ideas on how we accomplish God's will. We look to the scripture. Uh, as a pastor, from time to time, I get letters and, and magazines and things, you know, here's the newest method to increase the number of people at your church. Now, where those methods are lined up with Scripture, we want to do what we can. We want to see people saved and, and added to our church and discipled. But the goal is not to have the biggest church in Elmira. For one thing, that wouldn't be very hard. There's only two churches. I think we already win. I don't know. <laughs> not even have the biggest church in Vacaville. That's not the point. It's just to grow. We don't want to take our cues from American culture. We want to just follow God's word. So his problem was, is that Instead of doing it God's way, he did it the wrong way. And then notice that he got upset when it didn't work. Verse 8, and David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. That's one of the clues. That's one of the clues in our story that David had the wrong attitude at this point. He just figured, I'm entitled to this ark. It belongs with me in Jerusalem. I'm going to put it on this new cart. We're going to carry it up there. Why is God killing this man? We're trying to do what's right, is David's attitude. Again, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. David had bought into the big bargain. That's what I called it a couple weeks ago. This idea that if I do everything right, then God owes me something. And David had done a lot of things right. He had killed Goliath. He had been faithful to God, even though he's being chased through the wilderness by uh, King Saul from more than a decade. Uh, when he established his kingdom, he wanted God to be the center of worship. Those are good things. But just because we're doing things right doesn't mean that God has to do things our way or do what we want him to do. You might think of the great, the, this big bargain with God. You might think, it, it, or not might think, it works like this. God, I'll do what you want, but then you have to do what I want. You have to bless me. Don't make that deal with God. And I think David, in his mind, had made that deal with God. And so when, um, when Uzzah died, he was displeased. And then the second thing we see is he was afraid. He 
he was afraid because he thought, now how am I going to get this ark up to Jerusalem? So they pulled it by the side of the road. There they were at Obed-Edom, excuse me, they were at Obed-Edom's house. They just left it there with Obed-Edom. They went back to, to, to Jerusalem. And what is the news? Who noticed in our story, one of the children again, who noticed what is the news that David hears about Obed-Edom, who has the ark in his house? Yes, uh, Kezia. Yeah, his family is being blessed, it says. And so David says, boy, yeah, i got to get this ark to me, but what is the right way to do it? And so the second time when David brings this ark, when he, when he um, moves this ark from Obed-Edom's house up to Jerusalem, he does it the right way. He has Levites. They put the uh, poles through the rings that are on the corners of that ark, and Four or maybe even eight men who are Levites, who are priests, they carry that ark. But they don't get very far. They get six paces out of Obed-Edom's house, and they put the ark down, and they stop, and they sacrifice right there. And I, I, here's the key to this part of our story. They recognize that God is the one who's in control. He's the one who gets the honor and the glory for this. This moving of the ark isn't a human, I mean, it is a human endeavor because they're doing it, but it's, it's something that God either blesses or he doesn't. So they stopped and they praised God after six steps, and then they picked up the ark and they carried it the rest of the way. Notice the words that are used to describe how they bring the ark into Jerusalem. Verse 14 says that David danced before the Lord with all his might. In verse 16, it says that he was leaping and dancing before the Lord. Then the folks that were with him, it says they were shouting. That's in verse um, uh, 15. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord, were shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. Now, how many of you have been to a professional sports game? I am not, I mean, I like to cheer. I, I, I don't want to say I don't, but if you've ever gone to a professional sports game, you know how easy it is to get caught up in the enthusiasm of the crowd. I went to a Seahawks game because we used to live in the Northwest, and there at the Seahawks stadium, they did what was called the wave. Do you remember they had everyone stand up in certain way? And so this group of people just all the way, 50, 60,000 people around the stadium, all standing up in, in sequence so that it looks like there's a wave going around the stadium. I remember being with someone, and this person who was sitting in with my family said, I, I'm not going to participate in that when it comes around. That's stupid. But guess what? When it was our turn to stand up, that person stood up. <laughs> There's an enthusiasm that's contagious about a sporting event. And I think it's that same contagious enthusiasm that we see here. When these people are worshiping God, when David is worshiping God, and those who are worship who are with him are worshiping God, they're energetic, they're enthusiastic, they're wholehearted. And I want to remind us that that's the attitudes we should bring to this place on Sundays when we come to worship God. There should be an enthusiasm and an energy and an excitement about being here, not to see our friends, although that's, that's good, I'm glad you want to see your friends, not because of the preaching, although yeah, I hope the preaching has helped you, uh, but because you are excited to come together with your sisters and your brothers to worship God. 
I pray for this in my, in my time with God. Most days I'm asking that on Sunday, when we meet, there'll be an enthusiasm for worship and uh, an excitement to worship God, that we'll worship him with sincere hearts. It says that they use uh, trumpets, the sound of trumpets. Earlier, when they did it wrong, they had a whole bunch of instruments. And uh, I don't know if they just got rid of all the others and they just had trumpets or not, but trumpets are loud instruments. So there's, there's energy, there's excitement, there's enthusiasm, there's noise. And here's the takeaway that I want you to, to take away today. God is worthy of our energetic and enthusiastic worship. He's worthy. As we shared testimonies today, I was blessed because they exalted God. They didn't exalt you. They didn't exalt our church. I mean, they recognize we're part of the body of believers. That's good. Didn't exalt each other. They exalted a God who loves us. And I hope you are, when you come on, on Sundays, when you come uh, Sunday nights, I hope that you're excited about your opportunity to worship. Kids, I hope you don't just go through the motions. See what the adults are doing. I'm just going to go through the motions. I want you to have a walk with God. So that you too are excited to worship him when you come on Sundays. That it matters to you. And it's not just Sundays. Of course, Sundays is when we do it as a group. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that you'll take time during your time with God. That you'll set set aside a part of that time with God just to meditate on his greatness and how majestic and awe-inspiring he is. That you'll take time in that, uh, that you'll that you'll set aside part of that time with God, just to thank Him. I have a little note in my in my prayer um, list. What can I thank God for? Not what can I thank God for? Like I have to really think about this, <laughs> but I do need to think. What has God done in the last day, the last week, the last month that I can say thank you for? Because how many times do we pray for something? Week after week after week after week. And then when God answers our prayer, we forget about it. Sometimes we don't even say thank you once. There was a church I was a part of um, when I was younger. And they'd been, even before I arrived at this church, they'd been praying for a husband. The wife was a faithful Christian, brought the kids every Sunday and midweek service. But the husband was, and he was nice enough. He didn't prevent them from coming, but he was not a Christian. And he told them we're not a Christian. They prayed for him for 20 years. And while I was part of that church, just, I wasn't part of the situation, but I was part of that church, that man got saved. And the pastor said this. He said, we prayed for this man's salvation for 20 years. It would be right to thank the Lord for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. We're saving this man. And here's my point. We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. God answers. Oh, amen. Thank you, Lord. And then we just go on with our lives. Instead of taking time to energetically, enthusiastically, with excitement, Thank him over and over and over. I hope that that'll be your attitude. So so many of us, I I mentioned this this morning, so many of us, we all are trophies of God's grace, but so many of us are spectacular trophies of God's grace. You shared your testimonies with me. Some of you have shared your testimonies with the church, how God's taken you out of just impossible situations, broken your chains and given you new life in Christ. We ought to be thankful for that. We ought to be excited about that. That ought to just thrill our hearts. 
It's God, here's the lesson, God is worthy of our energetic and enthusiastic worship. Father, thank you for these uh, testimonies. Uh, I've been blessed by listening to them. And again, you are worthy. So many times when so many times we wait until we come to the end of ourselves before we, we talk to you about something. But you're such a good God that even before we come to the end of ourselves, we can come to you and, and express our desires. We can come to you with our frustrations. We can come to you with unfulfilled ideas, and you will, you will answer. But we must come to you. Fill our hearts with the desire to have a, a walk with you a relationship with you that is daily, that is vital, that impacts every part of who we are and what we do. And then, Lord, as we see your hand at work in our lives, and yes, you are working in our lives every day, fill us with sincere and enthusiastic praise and gratitude to you. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. May we be those who praise you for your goodness and for your wonderful works on our behalf. Lord, we love you. It's, it's amazing what you've done in our lives. We ask that you continue to work in our lives and in the lives of our family, the lives of our friends, co-workers, neighbors. Use Elmira Baptist Church to shine a bright light into Elmira, Vacaville, Dixon, and beyond. Lord, we offer ourselves as your servants, not to tell you what to do, but that you would tell us what to do and we would say, yes, Lord, send me. Lord, we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.